Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. week of football news, coaching hires, crystal ball predictions, all these things going on. But let's start on the basketball floor. Oklahoma falls to Butler. Um, and they, you don't want to say this is a game that they had to have. But Tuesday night, they lose in overtime 62-66 on the heels of a win over a top 15 team in Florida. And right before they play a top 15 program in Arkansas, um, Sooners fall 62-66 and. Just a couple quick thoughts on this, and then pretty much the rest of the podcast will be uh, back to being dedicated to to football, to the gridiron, because that's you know that's what pays the bills here in Oklahoma. But um, a couple quick thoughts on this is first of all, you, you see that Porter Mosier, while he has talented guys both on in the starting five and coming off the bench, he he does not yet have the luxury of a team that is gelled, that they are just gelled and battle tested together. They're not there yet. And I think they're getting closer to being there. You you still have what three games um, before you host Kansas state to open up big 12 play on January 1st. And of those three games, I think they're all three winnable, but two of them definitely are winnable. We've been talking about this five-game stretch that Oklahoma is going through leading up to Big 12 play. It started with Florida, a game that they were an underdog in, and they won, and then you followed up by losing to Butler. You know, again, you you go two and one over these next three, and I think you're sitting pretty going into conference play uh, because you're, you're going to be basically, if you go two and one, you're going to be sitting at nine and three in the, uh, in the non-conference portion of your schedule. And that's okay. But what you're learning here is you, you got Tanner gross. You got Goldsby. You got, you know, you, you got Elijah Harkless, who is probably one of the top defenders in this league. You, you got Mo Gibson, who's a streaky shooter. I mean, you, you've got, you've got talent on this team, but what, what Lon Kruger had the advantage of, was he had been established at the University of Oklahoma and he was had a roster and a starting five of established players at the University of Oklahoma. You're looking at three of your five starters, two of your five starters, uh, depending on, on which way it goes, that they haven't even been on campus a year. And you've got a head coach who hasn't been on campus a year. And I'm willing to bet by the time you know March rolls around and, and this team's heading at the end of February, into March, they're heading to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. This will be a different team than than what we're seeing right now. And even though this was a bad loss to the Butler Bulldogs, you're still looking at a team that's got a, a high ceiling and a low floor. They're picked seventh in the Big 12 preseason. I, I'm 
if I was betting, I would bet that they're going to finish above seventh in conference play. So you've got you've got all the pieces there if you're Porter Mosier. What you don't have, the one thing you're missing is a seasoned team together. That they're gelled together, and and when they they know when things begin to collapse, like they did in the second half against Butler the other night, they absolutely know where to go, what to look for, and who to turn to. Those are things that they're going to have to learn because Tuesday night taught us that they don't have that yet. Um, and, and let's also not put overlook the fact, again, not an excuse, but it's just truth. Let's not overlook the fact that this was a perfect trap game for Oklahoma. I, when we do our picks uh, for the website, heartland-sports.com, shameless plug there, but when we do the, our picks for the website, I, I absolutely did not pick Butler to win this game. But I did pick the Bulldogs to cover. I think they were 10.5-point underdogs. I picked them to cover that spread just on the idea that this was a perfect opportunity for a trap game. You're sandwiched in between Florida and Arkansas, the two biggest non-conference games that you have on your schedule. And so this was a, a, a chance for Oklahoma either to be looking backwards at the win over Florida or looking forwards to hosting Arkansas on Saturday. And, and so I think that might have played into it. And then when, when Butler made the move to go to really a mostly zone defense there in the second half, because they weren't gelled, because potentially they were mentally not 100% locked into that game, they struggled. They struggled heavily with that with that zone, and and it goes back to who do you go to in that moment? Who do you, who do you look to? And it just didn't fall together for this team. I promise you, Porter Mosier uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is going to hammer in guys when we face a zone defense two three three two. However, they mix it up when we face a zone defense. Here's what we're looking for offensively. Here's what we want. Here's where we want the ball to move to. I promise you he has spent an exorbitant amount of time in practice going over just those things because you've got an entire Big 12 conference, plus you've got the Arkansas Razorbacks, you've got UT Arlington, you've got Alcorn State, all still on your schedule, and they all watched what Butler did in the second half to overcome a 10-point uh, deficit to the Sooners and come back and win that game. So I promise you it's not the last time the Sooners will see the zone. 12.30 uh, tip on Saturday, Oklahoma-Arkansas, ESPN2, so it'll be a national televised game. And it's a great bounce-back opportunity for the Sooners. And in, in I say go for it, right? And even if they don't, even if they don't come out on the on the top side of the scoreboard, you still got two more opportunities to pick up wins going into Big 12 play. And um, it's definitely not time at, at all to hit the painting button when it comes to Oklahoma basketball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oklahoma hiring Jeff Levy to be its new offensive coordinator has resulted in a couple of crystal ball predictions for the Sooners to land two former Florida Gator recruits, 
One in quarterback Nick Evers, the other one wide receiver Jaden Gibson. Both are four-star recruits. Both, again, like I said, once once committed to the University of Florida. Now they're kind of uh, out there free agent-wise, so to speak. You're looking for the 2022 class. Evers is a 6'3", 188-pound quarterback out of um, Flower Mound, Texas. And the the re- reality is his recruiting is really starting to, to swirl, uh, if you will. He had decommitted from the Gators following uh, the firing of Dan Mullen. And Lebby was chasing him anyway when he was at Ole Miss. And now I think it's great. If you, if you want to know about the commitment level of Jeff Lebby, the guy hasn't really even officially been introduced yet as Oklahoma's new offensive coordinator. And yet he's already out there on the recruiting trail making a visit. He he was in um, he was in Evers' home on Wednesday, and then on Thursday you get a series of crystal ball predictions coming out, landing him at Oklahoma. And one of those crystal ball predictions came from Steve Wiltfong, who's the director of football recruiting for 24/7 Sports. So you, you there is a little bit of weight when it comes to these guys. The other one, Jaden Gibson, again had been committed to Florida. Gibson is the number 39 wide receiver prospect uh, in this 2022 class, and the number 30 overall player from the state of Florida. Now Florida state is still going to be heavy in the mix here with him. And I don't know that Florida is completely out of the mix with him, but uh, suddenly he's, he's drawn a lot of, a lot of interest. And Jeff Lebby is the key. Jeff Lebby is the guy who who's making the call, making the visit and trying to get him in to be a part of this offense. And when, when you look at both of these positions, they're, they're positions of need. I, I don't think there, there's some people out on social media who are saying, well, he's going after a quarterback. He's going after Nick Evers. That means Caleb Williams is leaving. No, that's, that's not at all what that means. Caleb, Caleb Williams may stay and he may go regardless of what Caleb Williams does. Oklahoma needs a quarterback. Let's not forget that they, they did lose Spencer Rattler prior to that, prior to the 2021 season. They lost Tanner Mordecai. They lost Chandler Morris. They lost three quarterbacks who were able to contribute to this offense. They they lost them from this quarterback room in the last 12 months. So what that means is that they got to get a quarterback. And so if, if Caleb Williams stays, they're going after Nick Evers. Obviously, if Caleb Williams leaves, they're going after Nick Evers. They're going after quarterbacks. And then you see Jaden Hazelwood leave. You see uh, Austin Stogner leave. And so even though you've got young talent like Mario Williams, um, you know, getting a guy like Jaden Gibson wouldn't be a bad addition either to this class. Um, And it really kind of helps shore up a 2022 recruiting class that seemed to be a lot of doubt cast upon it with Lincoln Riley leaving. Um, some of the defensive guys are, are still there in, in this class. Some of the offensive guys are still there in this class, but there's no doubt that they've had a rash of decommitments from the 2022 class and they've, they've got room. They've got room to add guys. Now it could end up being a small, a small class, uh, but it could end up being a, a pretty big class. You just don't know, but look, here's, here's some of the names that, that they've lost. Uh, recently, um, you, Gabriel Brown, Lodindi, defensive lineman going, going to Texas A&M, Rayleigh Brown, uh, a running back. Um, he, he's going to end up in at Southern California, uh, Derek Moore, defensive lineman, um, 
you know, it, the, the list goes really goes on and on. Kobe McKenzie, it, it's going to be interesting to watch two guys here. The last two guys on this list, Kobe McKenzie and Demetrius Hunter. Hunter is a an offensive lineman. Obviously, Kobe McKenzie, one of the top linebackers uh, in this class, number 13 uh, linebacker in the in the entire class. Um, he has had committed to Texas, and now that commitment is is in doubt. He could come back around. I don't know that he will, but he could come back around. Uh, and then uh, Hunter, the offensive lineman inside, interior offensive lineman, um, they're really not, not for sure what to expect from him. Um, he could come back around. Um, and he could end up uh, going somewhere else. You know, you just, you, you it's, it's hard to figure out recruits, right? Um, but, it's not just Jeff Levy that's bringing guys in. Um, Brent Venables immediately when Brent Venables was, was hired, uh, Jaron and I'm hope I hope I don't mess this up, but uh, Jaron uh, is K A N A K Kanak, um, the number one player from the state of Kansas who had been and currently is committed to Clemson. Uh, Kanak is thought to be willing to decommit from Clemson and swap over to follow Brent Venables to Oklahoma. And there's several things that are going in favor of him coming to Oklahoma. One of them being that he's from Hayes, Kansas and Norman, Oklahoma is a lot closer to Hayes, Kansas than uh, Clemson, South Carolina, for those of you that might be geographically uh, challenged. But the other thing is Venables was recruiting him at Clemson, to play on the defensive side of the ball. He's he's uh, projected to be an outside linebacker, uh, the number six overall athlete in the 2022 class and the number one player from the state of Kansas. We actually have film of him, Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. I think that's the second plug uh, for us. We have some video of him on both sides of the ball uh, in a post at Heartland Sports. I encourage you to watch it because this kid, when, when you talk about High school kids who be who are just monsters. They just do whatever they want to on either side of the ball. This is exactly the type of kid that we're talking about. So uh, there, you, there's a little bit of a recruiting update for you as Oklahoma. Uh, gosh, man, we're we're less than a week away from the signing period officially opening up. So uh, it's going to be an interesting next seven days as we lead to December 15th and when kids can actually start signing on the dotted line. One thing that has hurt Oklahoma defensively uh, was the rumor that Calvin Thibodeau is going to be out the door. A lot of people believe that's why uh, Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy um, ended up flipping over to Texas A&M. And that has been confirmed. Uh, Calvin Thibodeau is officially out the door uh, from this Oklahoma coaching staff. Taking... Um, and again, look, look into what you, what you what you want to out of this. A lot of people said that Thibodeau was going to be asked to leave. A lot of people thought that Thibodeau was looking for kind of greener pastors, uh, using the opportunity as a as a chance to swap over and pursue the dream of moving up the collegiate ranks. When the when the story first broke, it was said that Thibodeau was leaving Oklahoma to become the defensive coordinator. At SMU, I don't believe that's to be the truth. Um, I'm recording this um, December 9th, so th this the same day that all this information is breaking. But from what I have, Calvin Thibodeau is leaving the University of Oklahoma to take the exact same position at SMU, and that is the defensive line coach. So that kind of, if it, it was going to angle you one direction and lead you 
uh, one area, it would be towards the area of Calvin Thibodeau being asked to step aside. And and I got to be honest with you, that surprises me. And you, if you listen to this podcast, you know my thought on this was that Brent Venables is going to come in and really retain these OU guys. You know, Calvin Thibodeau, not only is he an OU coach, he's an OU alum, he's a former OU football player. And so if if Calvin Thibodeau's quote is shown the door, what does that mean for a guy like Brian Odom? What does that mean for a guy like Joe John Finley? What do you mean? There's other guys on here that you just got to think, okay, well, um, you know, who's safe and, and who's not safe? I, I really feel like your offensive guys are safe. I don't think you're going to see uh, Joe John Finley go anywhere, particularly how heavy he is out on the recruiting trail. Um, certainly don't think you're going to see Kel Gundy go anywhere. I think that guy's just basically a staple there in the program is going to be buried at the 50 yard line one day uh, just because of his, he's going to be the next Merv Johnson. You know what I'm saying? That guy who's just always there, you know, you know, Merv Johnson ended up uh, his story career at the university of Oklahoma working with Toby Rowland up in the, in the, in the, in the radio booth. And just because he, he was so loyal and they just, kept finding a place for him and finding a place for him. And, and it's not to say that, that Merv wasn't, uh, wasn't making contributions to the team and wasn't making contributions to the program. He absolutely was. And so was Kel Gundy. And I don't think, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to get rid of coach Gundy there in Norman. But if Calvin Thibodeau is, is out the door, that just kind of tells you that uh, all things are possible, that they're looking to go a different way. And it makes more sense if Brent Venables is going to replace uh, one of these OU guys, it makes more sense that it happens on the defensive side of the ball because Brent probably has a better understanding, a better mindset, what he wants to do offensively, where he's probably just going to let Jeff Levy uh, run the show on the offensive side. Of this, uh, I think I may have said that back backwards, but clearly Brent Venables knows what he wants to do defensively, and he's going to let Jeff Levy do whatever he wants to offensively. Um, and, and when it comes to Levy, we're going to clearly get into this because whenever I, I sent out the opportunity for true or false questions this morning, it was centered around the hiring of Jeff Levy. So that's pretty much when we go into true or false here in just a minute, that's going to take up the remainder of this podcast. But first and foremost, he's a guy who checks all the boxes. We had talked about um, both on the website and on the podcast. We had talked about Brent needing to find a guy who could challenge and stretch Caleb Williams. And not that you would hire an offensive coordinator to cater to your star quarterback that you're trying to keep on campus. But if you hire an offensive coordinator who fits the bill for who you want to be, what you want your offensive identity to be, then it just it doesn't hurt that he's absolutely somebody who can identify with your star quarterback and i think he checks those boxes he's innovative he's going to um he's going to use the running backs you think of you think of Lane Kiffin you think of old miss and you think of Matt Corral but what you really don't think of and realize is it's it's a lot like what Lincoln Riley did during the Rodney Anderson years where he is really heavy with the running attack. Now he's going to split you out. He's going to use the quarterback and a guy like Caleb Williams. He's going to use the legs and the arm. He's going to use the the dynamic receivers that they have on you know, the Marvin Mims and, and, and Mario Williams, those guys, he's going to use those guys to stretch a defense, but he's absolutely going to use these running backs. Uh, a guy like Marcus major, um, 
when you look at Eric Gray and and really I, I think Eric Gray is probably salivating looking at film of Ole Miss, what they did with their running backs, and a guy who has the skill set that Eric Gray has to be able to run the ball but also be mega productive out of the backfield as a pass catcher. This is gonna be fun. And so Jeff Levy checks all those boxes when you when you talk about innovative offensively, when you talk about balanced offensively, but balanced in a way that keeps a defense on its heels and guessing. Uh, when you talk about a guy who can stretch your your quarterback who is has a high football IQ and a hunger to to grow in knowledge of the game more. Um, Jeff Levy is the hire. He he was the only hire. That's where they're going to pay him upwards of two million dollars a year because he's the guy that can transcend this offense. You can't you can't go from the innovation of Lincoln Riley back into uh, uh, I don't want to say obscurity, but you you got to keep pressing the boundary. That that's why I, I do think Kale Gundy has a great shot at being the play caller for this offense in the bowl game. But that's why Kale Gundy had no shot of being the play caller for this offense moving forward in the Brent Venables era, because you got to find a way, particularly in, in today's recruiting landscape, when you're trying to continue to land these top notch recruits. And when you're trying to keep your five star quarterback who, oh, wait, by the way, was just the top quarterback of his recruiting class, when you're trying to keep him on campus you cannot regress in your offensive philosophy. And there were not a lot of guys out there who could move forward with an offensive philosophy the way that Jeff Levy can. And I know there were, there were a couple of other names out there, but, but the reality is just the, the stark truth of the of this situation is Jeff Levy was the guy is the guy. And now you know, the decision is going to be on Caleb Williams. He said he wanted to wait. He wanted to see who that hired as a, as a, as a, as the new coach, who that hired as an offensive coordinator. He has all that information. And if, if Caleb Williams decides to leave at this point, then it's just because he doesn't want to be here. Caleb Williams isn't going to leave because the offense isn't going to, you know, it's not, he's, it's not going to say, well, I really wanted Joe Brady. Joe Brady was a one and done guy. When you when you look at what Joe Brady did with that offense at LSU, that was a one year deal. He went to the NFL and got fired. But also Joe Burrow, who Joe Brady coached at LSU, and Caleb Williams, when you look at who they are athletically as quarterbacks, two completely different guys. Caleb Williams is better suited for a Jeff Levy offense than he would be for a Joe Brady offense. And with all due respect to Joe Brady, because he engineered quite possibly the greatest offense in the modern era of college football. And I know that's saying a lot, but go back and just look at the record shattering numbers that LSU offense put up. Joe Brady. I mean, that, 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 that would be a step backwards for Oklahoma. Because that offense was not innovative enough compared to what we've had in Norman under Lincoln Riley the last six years. So there's really only one call to make there, and I think they made the right call. So we're going to jump into that now uh, with your true or false statements. Well, it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the Sooner Nation podcast, true or false. Here's how it works. You guys throw out a statement, whether in a form of a true or false statement or question, and I'll tell you whether it's true or it's false. 
whenever I have Rich here with me, we do it uh, back and forth. But now uh, without Rich, I'm going to trust you guys to do it. You're fantastic with it on Sunday. And we're going to jump back in here again on Thursday and use your statements slash questions. I, I did get in a little bit of trouble on Sunday with some messages. Hey, you didn't say my name with my question. So if you're out there seeking the glory, you know what? Here it is. I'm going to try my best to include those names. And we'll start off with the big one right from the jump here. Uh, comes from our from Facebook, Grady Smith. Uh, here we go. True or false, Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby will be a better combo than Riley and Grinch. And that is absolutely the $24 million question here because as an Oklahoma fan, you you want to say yes. I mean, you want to say absolutely it's going to be true. And it's it's interesting here when you look at the dynamic, because Lincoln Riley came in and replaced Josh Heupel and all the components were here for a superb offense. You had, you had a dynamic quarterback, you had workhorse running backs, you had receivers who are NFL caliber guys. You had an, an offensive line that went on to win the Joe Moore award. I mean, you had all the components in place for the offense to really kind of take off and soar under Lincoln Riley when he stepped foot on campus. Then Alex Grinch comes in and and tries to fix an ailing defense. You know, it kind of uh, culminated with Mike Stoops being shown the door at halftime, basically, of Oklahoma's game against Texas at, at the Cotton Bowl. And, and then, you know, Ruffin McNeil tried to finish that season out. Uh, there was – players talking about they didn't like the coach and the fans were divided if it was a player issue if it was a coaching issue Alex Grinch came in and recruiting picked up and you have better players now than what you had when Alex Grinch arrived on campus but you've got a lot of guys going out the door you think about Nick Benito, he's gone. Perry and Winfrey, he's gone. Brian Osamoa, the most recent player to announce that he's gone. And so really, I, I, I honestly believe both offensively and defensively that, number one, the offense isn't going to be where it was when Lincoln Riley stepped on campus. I, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad offense, but I, I don't think that this offense, offensive line-wise, quarterback-wise, receiver-wise, and running back-wise, they're not as proven as what Lincoln Riley inherited when he stepped on campus here at Oklahoma. And defensively, I think probably they're, they're a step ahead of where, where they were when Alex Grinch got on campus at Norman. But I, I don't think they're as good – going into the off season as they were in August. And I know what people are going to say about this defense. I, I know what they're going to say about the struggles and look, I mean, we, we can argue this at full circle if we need to, but the reality is this defense went healthy was one of the top units in the Big 12. I really think Oklahoma State, it pains me to say that, I, but I do think Oklahoma State had the best overall defense in the Big 12, I'd be really curious to see how how much more narrow that gap would be if Jalen Redmond didn't suffer an injury. If you know, you you pick the guy that got hurt. You know, um, if if he's you you had problems in the secondary with Woody Washington. I mean, you just had injuries across the board here, um, and so 
Will they be a better combo? I think the answer to this question is true, but it's not going to be an immediate response. If, if you're if you're looking for 2021 for them just to come out and start curb stomping people offensively the way they, they did in 2016 and 2017, probably not going to happen. But I think 2022, 2023, as this offense begins to gel under Jeff Lebby, as this defense, I mean, keep, we don't even have the whole staff put together yet. We, we, don't, we don't know uh, who's going to help out on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, is Brent Venables going to be the defensive coordinator? I think not. I really don't think he is. So who is going to be the defensive coordinator? So th- this question becomes so much more difficult to answer just because you don't know the personnel and the personnel is going to affect recruiting. But I think the answer is going to be true, but I, I don't think it's going to be an immediate true. I think time will tell the story here. Um, and the good news is, I, I think if you're, look, Jeff Levy's next step from Norman is going to be to coach his own team. I, I don't think Jeff Levy is going to to leave the University of Oklahoma to go to like an Ohio State or to go to an Alabama or to go to a USC. I, I think I think if Jeff Levy has aspirations to coach his own team, then that becomes the next step. And Brent Venables has already said, I mean, he a decade plus is his commitment to this program. So we're we're looking at 2031 and on. So there is time. Time is on the side of this staff. I, I, I think if you're expecting Brent Venables and Jeff Levy to lead this team into the college football playoff in year one and in year two, like Lincoln Riley did, you're probably going to walk away a little bit disappointment. Appointment disappointed. Not that it can't happen. It's just that they're they're not personnel wise as as far as experienced guys. They're just not going to be where Lincoln Riley was in 2015, 2016 when he when he set foot on this campus. And and again, experience wise, they're not going to be where they were uh, uh, eight months ago when Alex Grinch was getting ready to make a run at the Big 12 Championship and possibly a college football playoff with his defense. So overall, in, in the immediate near future, I wouldn't expect that. But in the long run, give me two years, give me three seasons, give me three recruiting classes. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a much better move for the University of Oklahoma. So let's move over to Twitter and get a couple of true or false questions off of Twitter. Uh, you know what's funny is we actually have five combined true or false questions, which typically is our number. We we uh, went, I think, twice as many on Sunday just because of the news of the coaching hire. But this works out perfect for uh, the segment we want this to be in the podcast. And so here we go. This is from Caleb on Twitter. By the way, you can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. The S and the H are capitalized. You can hit us up with a true or false question. You can hit us up with a, any question, or you can – Add to the conversation of the Sooner Nation podcast just by hitting us on Twitter. If you give us a follow, you're going to get updated anytime we publish information at heartland-sports.com as well. So here we go. Uh, Caleb, true or false, Zach Evans will be on campus next year. Now, you guys got to settle down a little bit because you're, you're throwing questions out that really have no answer, no immediate answer. Is there a chance? See, if, if, if this was true or false, there's a chance or even a good chance Zach Evans will be on campus next year. Then the answer to that question is true um, because I do think 
there's a good chance. But but don't forget, Oklahoma doesn't have a bare cupboard at running back. You've got Marcus Major, who by all accounts should be an active part of this program next season. Um, you, you're you're going to have Eric Gray. Um, Kennedy Brooks hasn't officially made a decision yet, but it, I think it's coming. Um, I think the writing's on the wall there, and, and it should be. I mean, the guy's three 1,000-yard seasons at the University of Oklahoma. If he wants to really establish himself in Oklahoma football history, he'll come back and go for a fourth, but I just don't see that happening. So now you've got Zach Evans. A TCU transfer, everybody knows, five-star recruit. You followed that saga of his recruitment um, that led him ultimately to Fort Worth, Texas. Will he come to the University of Oklahoma? I'm just going to say this. I think there's mutual interest. I I definitely think that Jeff Lebby would like to add depth, immediate depth, to that running back room. but if they don't get Zach Evans, does that mean that it's all all over with? No, not at all, because you still got guys coming in, Gavin Salchuk and so forth, coming in through this recruiting class that's going to add depth to this running back room. Um, can he thrive in Jeff Levy's offense? Yeah, he can thrive in Jeff Levy's offense. Would Jeff Levy's offense be attractive to Zach Evans? Again, the answer is yes. But here's where you got to really caution yourself on Zach Evans. Again, I don't want to go back all the way through his recruiting saga, but this is a five-star guy who fell from Ohio State all the way down to TCU. And I know my Horn Frog friends are going to, that's kind of a hard thing to say, Horn Frog friends, they're going to take exception to me saying that they fell all the way down to TCU, but that's just the truth of this situation because there are there have been issues. There have been issues with this kid, and now he's, He's out the door of TCU and be it because of a coaching change or whatever. Is he somebody that Jeff Levy would trust in year one? Because in year one, you're establishing your offense. You're establishing yourself. You're establishing your presence in the conference. And also don't forget you're really, this is your audition for the sec or maybe your preview for the sec because they already got the job in the sec. Um, and so you got to have guys that you know are solid, not just with what they can do on the football field, because Zach Evans, I think can do it all on the football field. But is Zach Evans going to be a guy that you can count on, that you can bring in, put him on scholarship, put him in your program, and you can you can say for 100% certainty, mentally and physically, he's going to give you 13 to 14 games in 2022. Your first year. I mean, is that really, is Zach Evans the guy you want to place that bet on? I think for that reason, I'd have to say this is false. Now, if I'm wrong on that, I'll, I'll be the first to just be completely happy with being wrong on that. But I don't, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really don't. Um, and I think that's probably one of the main reasons. Uh, here we go. Craig uh, from Twitter. It's true or false, Jeff Levy has had better offense than Oklahoma has had in the last two years. Yeah, that's true. There's going to be an asterisk here, though. There's a but. That's true, but... In, in here, because it, this is really easy for me or you or anybody else to take a shot at Lincoln Riley. Because what do we want to do? We want to we want to dumb down the genius of Lincoln Riley because that makes 
our loss as Oklahoma friends, uh, that makes the loss a little more easier to accept and to digest if you dumb down the offensive genius of Lincoln Riley. And you say, well, yeah, this guy, Jeff Levy, he, well, he's had a better offense than Lincoln Riley has had anyway. Um, here's, here's the caveat here, though. Here, here's the thing that you have to preface this with. The last two years, Lincoln Riley has dealt with a freshman quarterback. Now, it's no no mistaking here. Spencer Rattler took a step back from year two, from year one to year two. He stepped back. He he regressed. He did not progress. But I mean, he Lincoln Riley went from Baker Mayfield, upperclassman, experienced quarterback, to Kyler Murray, upperclassman, experienced quarterback, to Jalen Hurts, upperclassman, experienced quarterback. To Spencer Rattler, redshirt freshman, inexperienced quarterback, to Caleb Williams, true freshman, inexperienced quarterback. And so, yeah, Oklahoma's offense slipped a little bit. They weren't as dynamic. They didn't have the big plays that we became spoiled to. Uh, they, they, you know, they just it wasn't what anybody expected. And I would even say, go as far to say, it wasn't what Lincoln Riley expected. So did Jeff Levy have a better offensive track record? Yeah, he had Matt Corral. He had a Heisman Trophy mentioning, now I can't say candidate anymore because the finalists are out there and he definitely wasn't a finalist. But I mean, a lot of people, including myself, were, were throwing around Matt Corral's name in terms of the Heisman Trophy race. So he had a dual threat quarterback who threw for 3,000 yards or whatever it was. Um so the answer to the question is true, but I, I feel like I need to also throw out there that um, it's true, but don't jump your enthusiasm meter way high on thinking you've got a lot better of an upgrade in Jeff Levy as an offensive mind than you had in Lincoln Riley. Um I just I don't think I can go there. And, and I'm excited about Jeff Levy. He's if you follow the site, if you follow the podcast. Jeff Levy was my guy for this offense. So, I mean, I'm thrilled about it. And I think there's there's a high ceiling here. I'm just not ready to jump on the, well, Jeff Levy was better than Lincoln Riley train just yet. Uh, here, true or false, Oklahoma fans deserve an, oh, here we go, more about Jeff Levy. True or false, Oklahoma fans deserve an explanation of the vetting process behind the Levy hire. This is false for me. Um, I've got no reason not to trust Joe Castiglione. I've got I've got no reason not to trust Brent Venables, right? We we gave Venables the keys to the kingdom, and and the first thing we're going to do now, well, tell us why you made this choice. No, because and, and I, I address this. So I I don't want to for those of you who faithfully listen to the podcast, I I don't want to regurgitate everything I've already said about Jeff Levy. but also if this is your first time jumping in here, I I don't want to be so shallow that you don't get the gist of what I'm saying. I, there, there's a track record here with Jeff Levy of not being in trouble. And I, I think, I think Jeff Levy is more guilty by association because he's Art Bryle's son-in-law than he is guilty based off of anything he actually did. Are there allegations against, or excuse me, were there allegations against Jeff Levy? Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's trying to hide that. But Art Bryles was suspended and not able to coach in college anymore because of 
things that came out of that investigation. There's nothing that came out of that investigation that detracted from the ability of Jeff Lebby to continue to coach football. And I think if he was good enough to go on and be successful at Central Florida and then good enough to go on and be successful at Ole Miss, why wouldn't he be good enough to be successful at the University of Oklahoma? And and I know, look, people are not going to be happy with this hire. I, I get that. But you can't be defined by the accusations against you. You have to be defined by the evidence that supports or or the lack of evidence that doesn't support those accusations. And I think in Jeff Levy's case, there was a legitimate lack of evidence. And I did say this on Sunday when when this came up again. I I, I said this, and, and I'm sticking to it. If the qualification to be a Sooner goes out the window when someone makes an accusation against you, then Rodney Anderson should have never come back to this team because the accusations against Rodney Anderson were, were pretty bad, but there's no evidence. And I think that's the same boat we're finding ourselves in with Jeff Levy. And, and once again, full disclaimer, that that's my take on this. And if you've got some evidence out there, hey, you know what, Matt, Jeff Levy was actually guilty of this. And, and here's how we know he was guilty. Here's the, or, here's the article and here's the punishment. I'm all for it. Bring it to me. Hit me up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Send me an email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. I'll admit I was wrong and I'll change my stance on this. But I'm not going to throw a guy out the window because of an accusation. All right, here we go. Last one. This comes from Josh. Uh, true or false? Since Caleb Williams is a running quarterback, Levy system should be a perfect fit for him. This is absolutely 100% true. And we actually have two articles um, at heartland-sports.com, third shameless plug for the website. We have two articles there that that specifically mention this thing right here, the marriage between Caleb Williams and Jeff Levy. One is a full-blown, you-read-it type article. One is a little two-minute segment I took out of from Sunday's podcast when I was talking about the kind of offensive coordinator that, that Caleb Williams would thrive in and – and they both support exactly what you're saying here, Josh, that this is true. This is a perfect fit because Caleb Williams, yeah, he's a running quarterback. He's a physical quarterback. He's a fast quarterback, but he does have a dangerous arm. His arm needs to be honed in a little bit. He needs to learn to develop the technique and touch a little bit more. Um, and and I, I think this is the place for him in that. I'm going to go back to what I said previously in this podcast that if Caleb Williams decides not to stay in Norman, after the Jeff Levy hire, it's just because he doesn't want to be in Norman anymore. It's not because there's there's an X's and O's guy out there that uh, it, it, on his sideline that can't stretch and grow him and and come up with a system that he can thrive in. Jeff Levy absolutely can do. Look what he did with Matt Corral at at Ole Miss. And and with all due respect, I mean Matt Corral is going to go to the NFL and he's at least going to make some money as a backup quarterback. I, I think there might be some future starting potential there with him, but I, I don't think you could compare the ability of, of Matt Corral coming out of high school with the ability of Caleb Williams. There, it, it's an apples and oranges comparison because Caleb Williams is that much further advanced physically, I believe, than what Matt Corral was. 
But you look at the track record of success there, and you even go back to Dylan Gabriel at, at Central Florida. So there, there's two quarterbacks there that you can draw on to look at if you're Caleb Williams say he did this for Dylan Gabriel, he'll be in the NFL after next season. He did this for Matt Corral, he's going to be in the NFL in the spring. Yeah, this guy, because Caleb Williams came to Oklahoma because he wants to be a quarterback in the NFL. Lincoln Riley is not the only way to make that happen. And I think Jeff Levy, if Caleb Williams sticks around, Jeff Levy will start making his own mark at putting guys in the NFL the same way Lincoln Riley's done. Because, I, again, I, I think Gabriel's going to the NFL. I think Matt Corral's going to the NFL. I think Caleb Williams is going to the NFL. And everybody touts you know, Lincoln Riley as this quarterback guru, which truthfully he is. If we get over the, the burn and the hurt and the anger – he is. He's got Baker Mayfield. He's got Kyler Murray. He's got Jalen Hurts all in the NFL. But Jeff Levy's two years away from having three guys in the NFL as well, in my opinion, if Caleb Williams stays. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Thank you guys so much for participating through your true or false questions. Again, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Sundays and Thursdays is one-way podcast, but you can hit us up anytime. If you got a true or false question, we'll try to, to favorite it and mark it and save it for the next time around. Enjoy basketball on Saturday. We're still a week away from being a week away from game week, but it's all good. We'll make it happen. Uh, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>